If it truly is your intention to quit, what are the actions that you believe that you're willing to take today that will eventually enable you to, to get towards that goal, right? In terms of whether you need to, if you, need, if you feel like you want to have something lined up before you quit, um, what are the steps you're going to take to, to do that in terms of uh, the networking that you're going to do, the, the, job, the jobs you're going to look at, the conversations that you're going to have, things like that. Um, or if you're, if you're going to quit, to quit and not have anything lined up, um, the things you need to do to kind of keep track of your finances or your personal life, the conversations you need to have with your spouse, your partner, the rest of your family, things like that. Anything you can do to start really getting clear around how you link the intention with the actions. And then finally, follow through on them. Welcome back to the Career Therapy Podcast, where we help you escape your toxic workplace, build career confidence, and find the role that's right for you. My name is Martin McGovern, founder and lead coach at Career Therapy, and I'm excited to introduce our guest today. Please welcome Al D to the podcast. Al is an author, podcast host, advisor, product marketer, and the founder of Better Work Labs. He is passionate about helping people and organizations navigate transformation. And today we talk about the evolving relationship between employees and employers, the new priorities that people are looking for in their work, and what you can do to quit your job in 2022, if that's what you want to do. Thank you for tuning in and supporting the show. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes so that the algorithm can share these conversations with more job seekers like you. And now sit back, relax, and listen in to my conversation with Al. Today's episode is brought to you by HireRect.us, a free app that lets hiring teams and candidates instantly chat about incredible job opportunities. If you're a hiring manager, CEO, or recruiter, Download the HireRect app to see a curated list of talented individuals and accelerate your hiring process 10 times faster than traditional ways. And if you're a job seeker, join the platform to start talking to decision makers at startups who are ready to hire. Businesses grow faster when everyone is communicating seamlessly. Download HireRect.us, that's H-I-R-E-C-T dot U-S today. So... Al, when it comes to the job search, and you and I are both coaches, uh, you know, we're on the muse, we're doing our thing. Um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned in our, in our chats prior that uh, this is about the time uh, as we get to the end of January that resolutions start to slip. And so uh, what are some of the resolutions that you've been hearing from job seekers and people you've been working with? And uh, you know, how is it going for people? <laughs> There's always the cliches, but I'm curious what you've been seeing. Yeah. And well, first off, thanks for, thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's great to be here. It's great to chat with you. I always love chatting with other career coaches and talking shop, but I promise we'll, we'll make this entertaining for, for the folks at home as well. And when it, when it comes to resolutions, you're right. It's, it's almost the end of the month. I think a lot of people go into the year, new year, new me, new intentions around, either things they want to do in their career or moves they want to make or, or goals that they have for themselves. But uh, human nature sometimes takes over, right? In terms of, I think we all have the best of intentions, but when it actually comes down to doing things and uh, the execution, there's a lot of reasons why that potentially can maybe go off the rails. Uh, maybe we, you know, particularly with related to career goals, uh, maybe perhaps we get buried in, in work, right? Um, I think we're all dealing uh, with, with different forms of, of challenges at work, one of them could be overwork, particularly if you're if you're if your fellow uh, employees are are leaving. 
Um, sometimes, uh, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it goes without saying, but this month in general has, there's been continued to be a lot of challenges uh, outside of work, right? In terms of um, if you have children and you're dealing with challenges with, with childcare, um, or if you're not, if you're just dealing with other situations, those, those things can derail um, a lot of intentions and goals. And, you know, I think the, the bigger thing and the more strategic thing I think that's, that's happening is, 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 is kind of the acknowledgement, at least for my clients to say, all right, I know I maybe didn't get off on the right foot of where I wanted to be. So two things. One, how do I reset and be intentional about the direction I want to go in? And then number two, what are some of those actions that I can take now that I have an idea where I want to go that I know will get me toward the direction that I want to move in? And I think that's been kind of the nature of the conversation. And whether that is, you know what, I'm going to commit to identifying a couple paths that I will um, start evaluating and, 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 and having informational interviews on because I know that this path I'm on right now is not what I want or whether it's I am going to finally update my resume and my LinkedIn and, and start actually talking to folks in my network who I know have these roles that I'm interested in uh, and I'm going to commit to doing to doing that. It's, it's what are once we identify and can kind of have a conversation around, hey, this is not where I want to be, but I have an idea of where I do want to go. The next question is, okay, but well, what are some behaviors that we can drive, some actions that we can take that can help us get towards that better state of where we are? And, and then giving us some grace uh, for the fact that, you know what, it's okay that we didn't achieve the, the, the goal that we set for ourselves in the beginning. That happens, that's life. And sometimes uh, the opportunities that come from when things maybe don't go how they are planned um, often end up either exactly where we want to be or in a better direction than we could have ever had imagined. So there's a certain, I think, amount of, of just letting go of, yeah, that happened. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get off the way I wanted to. And, and, but now I have a chance to, to, to do something different. And that's, reset, and that's great. Yeah. That's the beauty. Yeah. It's the beauty of life. Yeah. It's funny because, um, you know, whenever I talk to people about goal setting um, and I do this myself as well, the, the trap we get into is we set goals from an idealistic place from an optimistic place, from a, if everything worked out perfectly kind of way, here's what my goals would look like. Um, I even have on my board over here, a bunch of like, here's my ideal schedule for the day. Yeah. I'm never, ever going to live maybe a few times, maybe, maybe, maybe once a week, I'll live that schedule perfectly. Um, but most of the time it's going to go off the rails. And most of the time I'm not going to achieve it. And I like that you threw out the idea of like giving ourselves some grace there because number one, we're not good at, as humans, we're not good at setting goals. We, we set goals that are too large. We set too many goals at the same time. We set goals without really understanding what the process is to achieve them. You know, we do all sorts of different things. And then we beat ourselves up for not achieving the things that were unrealistic to begin with that we didn't quite realize, right? And so- sure. That sort of self-forgiveness, I think, is really important to kind of really yeah. point out because some people, when they set their resolutions and don't achieve them, it's almost like you're hurting yourself twice. You, you didn't achieve the resolution and you're beating yourself up. Maybe you're hurting yourself three times because now you're even less inclined to set a goal again, right? Um, yeah. Because you didn't achieve it. Uh, and the thing that the, the sorry to interrupt one one of the things that you said there, which I love, is in particularly with respect to job searches, is, is this idea of of process, uh, not just outcomes. I mean, an outcome certainly is important. A goal we're working towards is, is is important, but the process I think is is just as important, right? And I think you and I both know, or 
if we you, you put us in a room together, we could probably map out the types of things in a job search process that we know if, if people do these things will eventually lead to a desired outcome. But sometimes those are easy to forget about because we fixate so much on the outcome or goal. And in most cases, the goal is the job offer or, or that, that desired job offer. That's important. But what's really important are the steps in the process that if we focus on those and do those right, they will eventually lead you know, to that outcome, right? The, the networking that we do, the making sure that we prepare for an interview, that we're asking questions at the end of the interview, that we're following up. Like those are all steps in the process that we know that if we, if we do those repeatedly, do those right, the outcome will eventually come. And, and that's also why when we talk, whenever I talk to clients, anything around goals and, and, and outcomes, I always really try to also help remind them of, hey, let's also think about the process and making sure we have a good process. And to your point, it's okay sometimes if you, if you have your ideal day and those elements of that day, just like a process, don't all go to plan. All that really means is that tomorrow you can try again and see if you can get a couple more of those things right. And, and so just, it is a little bit of having grace, but it's also just a little bit of, I think, maybe flipping the switch in our mind to just um, accept the fact that we're, we're never always going to be perfect. But, you know, if we, if, we, if we have an idea and a sketch of what we think will lead to the outcome that we want, let's just try to chip away at that. And whether that's a job search or what your ideal day is, I think it applies in a, in a very similar manner. Yeah. And that's, that's key because I think a lot of people have an all or nothing mindset, right? I either sure. I'm going to do yeah. everything perfectly or it's not even worth trying. And, you know, you can get pretty far on 60%. <laughs> you can get yeah. pretty far in life. Sure. Um, sure. Well, I'm I mean, only, even yeah. your day, your day is an example, right? It's like, it's not as if I, I'm going to ask a rhetorical question here, but let's say you did, let's say there's 10 things on your, on your list of things that make an ideal day. Would you still have a great day if you did eight of those? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. There, I mean, I, think, I right, answered your exactly. rhetorical, but yeah, hundred <laughs> yeah, yeah. percent. And, but this comes, this kind of brings up the biggest goal that I think a lot of people have been trying to set for themselves in the new year, which is, should I quit? Should I quit yeah. my job this year? It is 2022. We're in the midst of this great resignation that everyone's talking about. We are in the hybrid remote continuing COVID, uh, moving out of big cities, learning how to, you know, have some sort of odd hybrid entrepreneurial contract career. Everything's all happening all at once, right? And uh, in our last episode, I was actually chatting with someone uh, who runs a, a site uh, called Overemployed. And he's saying, you know, you should work two jobs at the same time, remote and double your income. And uh, and so I'm always curious, you know, when people are talking to you about wanting to quit, let's start with the motivations behind it. What are the motivations driving people's want to quit their jobs that you're seeing in, in the workplace right now? Yeah, where do we start? Toxic work environment, overwork, challenging boss, challenging employees, um, lack of motivation uh, to do the job. Uh, feeling symptoms of, of burnout, um, challenges in in home life and uh, personal life, things like that. I mean the list the list the list kind of the list kind of goes on. I mean I, I think the over the it, it's hard to kind of say this without being trite, but really the the past the past two years have just been really challenging for for all of us, and we've all been experiencing it in different ways. But it's all been there for all of us, and so there's there's a multitude of different reasons. But getting back to how you kind of frame this, I think. Lately, you know, at this point, we've been talking about 
the Great Resignation, and we've seen the statistics on the quit rates uh, for a good, you know, for a good almost, you know, over a year now. And so at, at this point, it's it's not uh, it's not a sideshow. It's it's front and center. It's it's something that every month that goes by, uh, I think it just becomes more and more of a thing. And and I think that and we were going back and forth over this on email before. What I've started to see now is with folks who have continued on this path for the past two years, a lot of them are starting to wonder, okay, I'm, I've, I've navigated through the first wave, I've navigated through the first year, I've navigated now through the second year, uh, I'm tired, or I, I think it's time to move on, but is it, you know, what, what do I do now? Or how do I do this? Or they're in a situation where, unfortunately, so many people that they work with on their team or in their organization have left, um, and they're left with all the work and it becomes unsustainable for them. And, and so that's, that's another thing that often comes up. I mean, I think, and maybe this is where this would, I would love to kind of get your thoughts on this too. Um, I, I don't think there's a, a, I never think that career decisions are panaceas. There's no one, there's one magic elixir in, in these kinds of situations. It's always a continuum and there's always considerations that uh, everyone's going to have their own set that are going to be important to them uh, for, for making a big decision like this. But what I do think I've been hopeful for is at least in the conversations I've had with, particularly with the clients this week, it's people who are taking this as a chance to pause and just to say, things are not going in the direction that I want them to go in. And I would like to figure out if that means that I need to quit, need a new role, whether that's here or in another company, or if I just need a, need a break. And I think that anytime you can catch yourself uh, to have a moment to, to think more deeply about a solution before you jump into action. I think the odds increase that, at least in, from my experience, that whatever you end up deciding ends up being something that's more aligned with what you actually want uh, versus uh, a reaction to the headlines that you're seeing or the fact that you're reading, getting all these emails in your inbox of people announcing that they're leaving or looking on LinkedIn and seeing people starting new jobs and wondering, oh, should I be doing that too? Yeah, I think I think your point there about it not being a magic cure-all and elixir, I think that's so important. Um, I actually see this in both directions. I see people who mm -hmm. are unemployed saying, all I need is a job. Once I have a job, all my problems are fixed. And I go, no, you just trade job search problems for having a job problems. And if you talk to anyone who has a job, they all have something to complain about, right? So sure, sure it's nicer yeah. to have the income and the security and the things like that. But then you have the bad boss or you have the awkward situation or you have to the long commute, whatever sure. the thing is. Right. And so it's like, yeah, the grass is always greener. Right. And, and when we think about quitting as this sort of cure all, it's like, well, all I need to do is just get out of here. And I've had mm -hmm. that before. I, I quit a job without a backup, but there was a lot of stuff that I had to consider before making that move and, you know, getting finances in order knowing what my like worst case scenarios were, um, and, and even just like knowing what age I was, you know, like I was at a point sure. where moving back home with parents wasn't a big deal. Right. Whereas now that's a big deal. <laughs> like I wouldn't want to yeah, do that. Right. Sure. So like, yeah. you have to kind of consider so many factors, family, money, everything like that. I'm curious yeah. when, when you're talking to someone who is like, I don't have another job set up. I just need to get out of here. Um, what are the things yeah. that you encourage them to get in line or line up or work on, or like what, what sort of fortifications do they need to put up in order to be able to make this jump? Or should they just wait till they have another job and try and do, try and do the job search on top of, obviously there's no like one specific answer, but what are your sure. thoughts? 
Yeah, so there are a couple things to to think about, and I think it it the, the, I mean I think there's there's a couple baseline things just in terms of your own personal situation, right? And to the point that you made and the example that you made in your case, you were at a point where if you quit a job in terms of actually being able to live each and every day, uh, you had a good uh, had some support system in place in terms of you could move home, be with your family. That certainly I assume saves on 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 save some expenses. Obviously, we need to first and foremost be able to take care of ourselves, and our, or in some cases, take care of our, our families. And so, I think that that is always a consideration of just pure survival, right? In terms of, do I have? I'm at a point in my life where I have the ability to potentially forego income uh, for for a period of time, and and that's always a big that's always a big challenge, a big a big hurdle, right? To think through, particularly if you are someone who is in a position where you're thinking about someone more than just yourself. I had an experience similar and, and I was fortunate in your case, like, just like you, where it was just, I think just me, just like thinking for myself. And so that definitely has different implications than if you have a partner or if you have children. So I think that's always something. I think other, another thing is just being a, you know, to your point, just because you, uh, like, if you, if you don't have the right intention, you are just trading diff different problems, right? You're, you're, um, and, and, and so just having the thought about, Okay, if I'm going to actually leave without a job lined up, um, what what am I going to use? You know, what is my intention for using this time? If if it really is to, uh, if you're very clear that it, you're, you're using some of that time because you've been overworked and you just need time to to breathe and to rest and to get better uh, and, uh, uh, for your own personal health, and that's your goal, then then I think that that can definitely make a lot of sense and that can be really useful. But um, I, I also think that if you're not very clear about what you want to be able to get out of the time away when you're not, because, you know, you work eight or nine hours a day, if you're not working anymore, you're going to have a lot of time. And so just being very clear about and considerations about, okay, well, what is that time going to go towards? And I'm not suggesting that you need to be productive or anything like that. It's just more around being intentional about there is this huge chunk of your day that you were devoting to something that you're not going to be devoting to. And so what is that going to go towards? And I think... I think that's something to keep in mind. I think another thing to keep in mind is just around how much you want to work right now to your point that you made. If you, you are someone who uh, you, you want to you quit because, or you want to leave without a job lined up and you're looking for a new way of work, um, I think that's a very different you know, conversation than perhaps you know, quitting a job without anything lined up because you don't want to work anymore. And I think that leaves an interesting conversation. We can certainly go down that, that uh, discussion just around contract work or freelancing or starting to work on a, um, a hobby or, or anything like that. Uh, but that would be another consider consideration to kind of think about in terms of uh, the way of work uh, that, you, that you want to kind of take on. And I think this as someone who has done like some freelancing work in the past and all those types of things. I think there's a lot of different creative ways you can actually do that. Um, but you can also choose to kind of make the jump itself. And then I would say the, the last thing is, is that I would also just think about not fully ironing out what your story is, because I don't think you need to have uh, a huge one, but just being intentional and thinking about, okay, if, if I'm going to leave without anything lined up and I we're going to be interviewing in a couple months down the road, what do I want to make sure that I, I talk about? you know, when I, when I have those conversations, right. You know, um, and, and if you're, and I don't think you have to have it all mapped out, but just keeping in mind that 
unfortunately, we're not at a point yet where I think at least in the United States where people are very comfortable, all people and all recruiters are very comfortable with gaps, right? But it, it, that's just the reality that we're in. And so you can't solve all that today, but just being a little bit of thoughtful around, okay, well, if I know I'm leaving without anything lined up, if I know I'm going to be spending my time uh, for these reasons, just being a little thoughtful around, you know, what, what am I going to talk about when I start to have these conversations again, when I am ready to go resume? Um, and then finally, sorry, the last thing I would say is if you, uh, I, 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 listen, like, I think the, whether or not someone should leave their job without anything lined up, I think that's a personal decision. And I think a lot of it does kind of come based off of your own personal situation. And I would never, I, I, I think everyone's got their own kind of risk profile, right? And I think that's really important to consider. I would never want someone to stay in a toxic work situation anything longer than they ever should have to. But I also recognize that not everyone has the luxury of always being able to make that call. So I think it really is gonna be dependent. But what I will say is this, uh, I have seen people and I've had, had clients who have quit without anything lined up and they have been able to, to land opportunities. And I've also seen people who, uh, who have a little bit less of a risk profile, uh, try to tough it out, and then find a way to negotiate with their new employer of being able to get the time off just to be able to recharge. And I think that is definitely something I, I've seen more of over the past year and a half. And, and I think more people are okay with that because we've all been through hell. And I think, I think any good hiring manager, any good recruiter is going to recognize that. It's a yeah. long-winded answer. But, no, I love but it. You touched, you touched on a lot of really interesting things that I want to dig into. Um, one in particular is that like, I like how you said, you know, go to the employer, see if you can get some time off. Sabbaticals are becoming more and more common in conversations that I'm, that I'm hearing. And, you know, I think everyone is trying to do their best to cope, especially because if you started working remote in the last two years, you're probably learning the harsh lesson that working remote is even harder and uh, not maybe not harder, but it, uh, it, it tends to lead to more hours worked in a typical week based on the stats. And so one of the things that I think is so interesting, I was chatting with a client recently who uh, is doing multiple jobs at the same time while doing the job search. And, you know, there's That's the cliche. Tough. Yeah, yeah. And there's the cliche that the job search is a full-time job, which of course, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, but if you're spending eight, nine hours a day job searching yeah. for every day of the week for six straight months or four yeah. straight months, you're probably going to go crazy. But um, there's there's something in there where uh, I was talking to this person. I was like, all right, they 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 had the complaint. They said, um, I just feel like there's not enough hours in the day. And I go, all right, well, let's break down the current hours in your day and how they're being spent. And And we went through it all. And one of the things that came up was this idea that like, um, sorry, we got the sirens going. I don't know if that's coming through the microphone, but it's distracting me. But uh, yeah, so we were talking through things and and they were talking about the problems that were going on at work and how so much was getting put on their shoulders. And, you know, the, they were worried about not doing everything perfect and, and they were kind of going on and on about it. And I go, uh, but they also mentioned that, um, you know, there's not really any risk of getting fired. There's not really any like they're not worried about their job, like losing their job. They just are spending an incredible amount of hours trying to make sure that they don't ever mess anything up at their job because they got called out on like a couple minor errors. And I was like, how perfect do you need to be? And they're like, well, I feel yeah. like everyone else at the company is such a shit show 
that I have to sure. be perfect. And I was like, oh, so they get yeah. to be imperfect, right? You you right. have to be imp- yeah. you have to be perfect, but they can all be imperfect. And yeah. one of the things we started talking about was just like, how much effort does your job deserve, right? Yeah. How much sure. effort does this company deserve? And most people's answer is 110%. I got to give 110%. Mm-hmm. I got to prove myself. I got to work real hard. And I'm like, at certain points in your career, sure. Like maybe at the start of your career, when you first start a job, like when you're doing certain things, sometimes you set unrealistic expectations for yourself though. And I think there's this interesting thing that tends to happen where people end up getting sort of abused by companies because the company makes them feel like they should be working Every weekend, they should be working longer hours. They can't leave before any amount of time. Mm-hmm. And um, and I almost just, I just floated the idea out to this person of like, what if you just put in like 80% of the effort and just right. let a few things fall through the cracks? Like, is that okay? Yeah. Like how much, how much, how, how much effort do you need to put in? Mm-hmm. What's the minimum yeah. amount of effort you need to put in that no one would notice a change. And like, sure. that was like an interesting question to float out there. It's like, um, you know, you kind of, you kind of, the narrative is that everyone should be putting in 110%, but that's why we have so much burnout. That's why we have people quitting jobs. That's why people, we have people like just leaving without anything else lined up because they're spending so much time on their job that they don't have any time to plan for their future. And I'm, I actually was working with someone and they were, they were just like, really overwhelmed at work and you know they said I'm ne- I'm never going to find another job because I'm just so in it here and then they ended up quitting and in like the 3 weeks that they had after quitting they were like working you know crazy hours and I I had to remind them I'm like you've already quit this job yeah like it's okay you don't have to be putting in 70 hour weeks when you've already quit this isn't your responsibility anymore. And they were like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. And like, (laughs) you know, so I'm curious, like when it comes to like how much effort people should put into their jobs, what, what's your thought around it? Like, do you feel like, is this kind of a question about burnout and kind of a question about like personal um, responsibility versus like, you know, what do you think like, people could learn about like the baseline needs of a career. Um, Yeah. Let's start with just how much effort should you be putting into your job versus your life? Yeah. Well, and not to have this be a continuous cop-out, but I I think that is the question that everyone needs to think about for, for themselves and decide for themselves. And I think for me, at least one of my things that I really advocate for is that I believe all people should have the autonomy and agency um, to make the decisions that are best for them. And that's really what I try to advocate for when, when I can. And, and part of that is just because I know that part of why I've had a, uh, a very happy and meaningful career is that because I, I've had those things and I've seen the benefits play out for me and I've, I've seen them play out for other people. And I, and I, and I want everyone to, to be able to have careers that they're happy with, however they define what that is. But getting kind of a little more granular into what you're saying, because I think it's an important point, is this notion of understanding the role that you want work to play in your life. And part of that's going to be, I think, 
it's going to be a, a little bit of a mixture of things. One, it's going to be a mixture of your own desire in terms of what makes sense to you. Uh, the second thing is going to be a mixture of the reality of the life that you live in, in terms of, and I keep going back to this, but it's the easiest example. If you are providing for yourself, you're providing for other people, certainly your cost of living and just living life, right? And then I think the, the last thing you're probably going to want to negotiate through is certainly just your own aspirations for your future. Because right now you may decide and want, say that I only want work to play a small role in my life. But if you also have grander aspirations of becoming a VP or an SVP or a CEO or something like that, um, those are not diametrically opposed, but it's just something you have to, you have to really think about. So I, I think everyone needs to decide that for themselves. It comes off a couple of different factors. What I have seen and what I think is really, uh, this is really teaching us is something over the past two years that I think superstar athletes have known for years and practiced for years. And so as an example, we'll take LeBron James. Uh, LeBron James arguably is one of the best basketball players to play in the NBA in the last couple of decades. He's won the NBA championships, MVPs, been in many all-star games. LeBron James sleeps 10 hours a night and maybe even more in the off season. And the reason why is because LeBron James knows that in order for him to be at his absolute best, in order for him to be a the top of his game, he needs to rest. He can't be giving 100% all the time. It's just, it's not possible. And I think what I'm hopeful and what I've seen is that I think more people are recognizing, particularly just of how challenging these past two years have been, that we are humans and humans are not meant to work like machines in the sense that we physically cannot be always on. And we physically, it's very hard to always be giving 110% all the time. If I were to have, you know, have a, a ask, you know, I do this often with my clients and I, or I say, realistically, like, be honest with me, do you think you can give a hundred percent of yourself to everything in your life for 365 days a year? And all of them always say, no, I, I can't. And so part of it is also how giving them kind of permission to be the human that they are and to recognize that it's just, it's just not possible to, to, to kind of do that. And so once we can kind of break from that, then we can start to have conversations around, okay, well, let's go back to the question. What role do you want work to play in your life right now? And then we can start to say, okay, if, if, if this is the role that we want it to play, what are the things that you do want to give 100% to? And then what are the things that maybe you, you just can't right now? And, and the qualifier is right now. It doesn't mean forever. It just means like at this point, I can only give so much to this. And you know, maybe in the case of the, the client you were mentioning, it's okay for them to maybe give 80 or 70% towards a particular project, because what that means is that it frees up mental energy and physical energy to spend some of that time for them. And I think to your point, I think that, look, employers are always going to do what's in the best interest of them. And that's, that's why they're running a business. And I think that it would behoove employees to also understand and think about how they can also think, have that mindset for themselves because their employers are already thinking about it. And so I think, I think, uh, and that I try when I can to give my my clients the permission to kind of see it in that way. So so those are kind of the those are kind of the considerations to kind of think about. A, what role should work play in our lives? That's a personal decision. But B, if we agree that we can't be 100% on all the time, how do we figure out how to navigate that and calibrate that based off of the role that we want work to play right now? We interrupt today's episode to let you know about Career Therapy's Unstuck Coaching Program. If you're feeling paralyzed by job search procrastination and unsure of what to do next in your career, we're here to help. 
each month as a member, you will get access to two one-on-one coaching calls, unlimited virtual chat with your coach via Slack, invitations to bi-weekly group coaching sessions, and lifetime access to our eight-part job search curriculum. Want to take your search to the next level? Head over to careertherapy.com and schedule a free 15-minute consultation to chat with me today and see if coaching is right for you. Now back to our show. Yeah. And realizing that sometimes the things that we do that aren't quote unquote work related do give us the energy to show up hundred percent, right? If we're only yeah. working 24 seven, we're going to be miserable and then our work is going to suffer. So a lot sure. of times hours do not always equal productivity, right? Um, yeah. And so one of the things that this also brings up for people is identity. If we're mm, going to make yeah. any sort of changes to how we work, where we work, and in all of the things that we're talking about here, it's going to push up against our ident- our different identities, right? So for this one person, they had a perfectionism identity, right? Mm-hmm. I'm someone yeah. who puts in 110% at work, and it's because they had a background in music. And when you're in an yeah. orchestra, if you mess up a yeah. note, everyone in the orchestra knows. And if you mess up during an, an audition, you just don't get into that orchestra. So then they brought that into the tech space, and I had to remind them, like, you know, or it was actually maybe the legal space. I had to remind them like, this is not an orchestra. It is not the same thing. So we're bringing identities from previous jobs into other jobs where we're kind of, when we make changes, we have to change our identity with that change. And this kind of goes to your point about getting your story together and knowing like how you're going to tell this. Um, Maybe not, you don't have the whole thing together, but like kind of thinking through what that story is. And so how have you seen identity shape people's decisions and, or how have you seen people respond to a change in, in their working identities? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because so much of how we respond to things or so much of our decision-making, I think is often driven by things that are deep within us, sometimes steeped either in how we were raised or in the signals we took from culture around us, however you define culture, whether that's in your community or just at at large, right? And certainly I think that uh, to the point you just made, there typically has kind of been a longstanding kind of culture of uh, working hard is is a good thing. And uh, working hard means working lots of hours, right? Or, um, you know, being successful is a good thing. And being successful means that you're achieving and not making mistakes. And whether or not that's true or perceived, if that's part of your identity, like in the example that you gave about your former client who's a, a musician, that's that's a lot to that's a lot to unpack and unwind. I mean, I think the with anything, the first step is always being able to notice it and to to name it, and 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 then to to being able to really hone in on this is a thing that is it deeply influencing me and that's ingrained in me, and then also to ask yourself is this still serving me in the right way? And, and in the case of, uh, I think your, 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 your former client in, in her old world, it was serving her well, or was serving her in the sense that it enabled her to get into the orchestra and to be able to play successfully. Uh, but in her new world, and you, I think you mentioned she worked in tech, the tech environment is a different environment where it, without knowing too many details of it, if it's a startup, you, good, good luck on, on getting anything perfect. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it doesn't. And so that's one example where a long held belief, not bad on the surface, 
but isn't serving you in the same way because your environment has changed, uh, the, the circumstances have changed. And the, what makes you successful in this environment arguably has also changed. And so I think the first part of it is being able to name it and then being able to reckon, ask yourself the question, to what degree is this still serving me? Now, there's probably some nuance in there in the sense that um, wanting to be correct a lot is still not a bad thing in this new environment, right? It's like it's better, you know, in some ways, it's not like it goes to zero, but it may not be serving in the same way. And so I think the first thing is really being able to name it and to ask and to see how it, how it still serves you. And similarly, um, you know, I think that it's been interesting. I don't know if you've been, um, you've been following the anti-work threat, threat on, on Reddit, but you know, there's an example where there's a lot of people in that, that thread. And for those who are not familiar with it, um, it's, a, it's, it's a thread on, 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 on Reddit. A lot of people who are kind of um, uh, have, are, are thinking in new ways about how they perceive work, a la anti and are really kind of against productivity culture, hustle culture, and just this general notion of overwork. But if you kind of read through a lot of the threads there, you do get a lot of people who, to your question about identity, a lot of them talk about the fact that I was raised in this way or always thought this thing. And then I had this transformative experience a la COVID where I've started to really shift my thinking around you know, all of this and to understand some of the implications of it. And now I want to move in, an, in a new way. And I think that's an example. Some of the people in there are examples of just how that identity, you know, kind of shifts and changes. Um, it's with anything like that. It's, 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 um, it's not easy work. It, I think it is like pretty, can be pretty challenging and, and can also be pretty, I don't want to say traumatic, but it can, it can be a lot to, to process uh, because you are changing and shifting your, your worldviews. Yeah. But if we look at it at a, at a macro level, and I'd be curious to hear what, what you think about this too, humans evolve like they do and who we are when we're young and we learn some of these things and, and, and where we are now as we're adults and who we will be uh, later in our lives that like we, we change, you know, our views change like that, that happens. And so um, I, I hope that I, I, this gives, and I try to give permission, again, permission to people to, to, to update and, and change. Cause, cause that's what, that's what people do. Yeah. I love that, that, I haven't seen the anti-work Reddit in detail, um, but I definitely want to go check it out now um, because it is true that belief systems around work are changing. You just see that in the way that, you know, boomers are talking and uh, Gen Z are talking and Gen X or whatever the different gens are. And, you know, it, there's so much out there about like, okay, boomer, that's how you used to do work, but here's our new world of work. Right. And, you know, there's, there is a lot of conversations around like what will work be in the future, right? So many jobs nowadays don't actually have practical application anymore. It's a lot more focused on entertainment and distraction and things around those areas of life, uh, especially as we dig deeper into the metaverse and people start having metaverse careers, which is going to be kind of crazy. Like even what kind of what we do, you know, career coaching is a, it's a unique type of job that when I started doing it was pretty fringe and now is becoming very mainstream uh, to the point where it's like dis disrupting, you know, professional training industries and things like that. And I remember when I went through my identity change, it was, it was pretty difficult to let go of my marketer identity. I had built that up pretty strong over like a 10 year period. And I was like, 
I'm doing all this coaching, but I'm not a coach. I'm a marketer. And I was like, very, it was a very difficult transition that I had to do. And I remember sitting down and writing in my journal one day, okay, I guess you're a coach now you've been doing it long enough that you can own that identity. And, uh, it's kind of funny to look at how those things change. And I think kind of one of the biggest drivers of the great resignation right now is that belief systems around work and the role work plays and, and the identity that we get from work, they're changing. Um, when I did a road trip around the country years ago, I remember seeing how different cities had different relationships to work and how people talked about things. New York was very financially based. The questions you got asked were more like, like prestige based, like how much do you make? Where do you work kind of things? And then when I was in Denver, it was much more lifestyle based. It was like, where do you ski in Colorado? It wasn't really, what do you do? And then in Chicago, it's, what do you do? Like, because we're very much like, you know, boots on the ground, just like hard work kind of culture. And then in LA and and, in California, it was very like, um, more so like status followership driven, uh, fame driven. And so it was like, uh, you know, what's your Instagram following? (laughs) Like it was the, the questions change depending on where you are in the country and, and where you are in the world. And I think those evolutions, like you, like you put it are what are behind this great resignation are what are driving these, you know, it drove hustle culture and it's driving the push against hustle culture. And I think that both are necessary in order to find the healthy medium for the individual. And when it comes down to these big shifts in beliefs, what, what are some of the main shifts that you're seeing in people's minds? Yeah, well, and, and I'm glad you, you brought that up. And I think you mentioned, I think, a couple of them. And I think one of them is just is this idea of what, what role it is, what role do I want work to play in my life? And, and as like a very tactical corollary of that, how much do I want to work, right? Uh, do I want to be always on? Um, I think the thing that I often think about, particularly during COVID and, you know, during this conversation around remote work and distributed work and all those things, we, you know, particularly in the beginning when there was a lot of dialogue of return to work or going back, uh, being able to return, one of the things I often thought about and brought up was, was asking the honest question were things really perfect before, right, in the workplace? And if we're being honest, probably not. I think probably to varying degrees, people will have different things to say about that. But work, the work environment and challenges with things, they were real before Mar- March 2020. And, and they were going to be, if COVID didn't happen, they still would have been very real. I think that COVID shined a light on a lot of them, but they didn't, they didn't start because of COVID. They may have gotten more challenging in certain ways, but they, they were all there. Um, I lived in the Bay Area. People still were very challenged with uh, the you know daily commutes and um, trying to you know kind of keep up with that and all the other things. Like all that was was there and 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 present before this started. And so I think that the this gave us a moment to really um, see those very a lot more clearly. Well, how we choose to do with them, you know, it's interesting just how companies are choosing to respond in, in different ways based off of what they what they want to do moving forward. But I think. To your point, I think people are starting to think much more about those things when making uh, decisions around the types of companies they want to work at or the types of industries that they want to work in, in terms of uh, thinking more deeply about the things that actually enable us to do the work, the culture, the environment, the ways of working, uh, the beliefs around um, how performance is managed, you know, what gets rewarded, those things 
I think there's a there's a shift there's a shift in that in terms of how people look are, are evaluating companies and what they what they want out of that. I think I think that's maybe a shift. And then I think the the other shift and the thing that that really I think comes up more now than there ever was before. I mean, I think in the the pre-COVID days, there are obviously things like Glassdoor and many other types of places out there where you could get information on a company and their culture. Uh, it's just much more tactical now, just in terms of the big elephants in the room, right? Uh, what's your return to work policy? Are you remote first or what's your policy in remote workers? Um, really thinking about benefits, right? You know, that whole conversation has really changed a lot significantly over the past two years in terms of what companies are offering uh, to people. Um, and then maybe I would say the, the last thing is, is part of the what's really um, changing and shifting or, or really how people are, are thinking about this. You know, I, I think that more and more, pe- more and more people, we'll see, how, we'll see how this plays out over the years, but um, there, was a, there was a stat, I think that uh, granted, like it was put out by Upwork, so you have to kind of take it for what it's worth. But um, you know, by 2027, there is gonna be more freelancers than, than fully employed professionals. Um, there are, you know, to, to, to give them a little bit of grace, there are some more macro trends, I think happening in terms of population uh, population demographic shifts, things like that, which is such where there might be more alt- people in the future that have alternative ways of working than full-time employment, right? And and I think right now there, you're starting to see that in specific industries or specific types of professions, right? I don't necessarily think it's at large because at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's really hard for a, a someone who is a waiter or waitress to to work from home or to uh, to be able to to do things freelance, right? But I think there's 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 you know, there's no there's a reason why a lot of the these um, talent pl- platforms like Upwork and others are growing significantly during you know these past couple of years because the demand and the interest from them on both sides of those marketplaces um, are, are are growing in, in both ways. And so I think that is also I think something that uh, you know the freelancing was a thing for sure before COVID and, you know, over the past few years, but I think it's definitely probably gone up a little bit as companies, as well as freelancers become more comfortable with this idea behind it. Yeah. I'm glad you're bringing up the idea of like how we evaluate uh, work cultures, because Mm -hmm. um, when it comes down to it, that is what is shifting and it's constantly shifting, right? You know, there was a point in time where it was just like, finances like you know that's we we judge companies by how long they keep an employee and how much they pay them over time right like the you know the ability to move up and and then it turned into sort of a passion based tech thing in the tech world i'm evaluating the mission and of the company and maybe there's a little bit of a a veneer being pulled away where people are like they don't actually live any of these missions you know right. and so we're moving on from the passion to the flexibility evaluation uh, we're saying, how flexible is this company? And will they let me work in ways that I need to work that will work with me, right? I remember when my old manager, when I worked in advertising, had a baby and just how difficult that was for her to manage, um, you know, getting in trouble for leaving work exactly at five o'clock in order to go pick up her kids and things like that. And it's like, she wasn't really in trouble per se. It's not like she was going to be on a performance report in that way. But she just knew that it was like not being that she was kind of getting dinged for it in different mm-hmm. ways, like reputationally and things like that. 
And so, um, you know, these are, these are interesting things that happen that then you start to see this shift and, okay, now people are focused more on flexibility. Does the company actually like allow me to live a life that I want to live or, or is it kind of like, you know, a job that I used to have where, uh, you know, I commuted two hours each way, then I worked, then I tried to do some networking at night and, you know, it just, it, that was everything. Yeah. That was all the time I had. There was literally no other time. And so, yeah. It is fun to watch these like, you know, large scale changes happen and these like kind of um, sort of group thinks that pop up and, and just kind of track where they're all going and see what, because, you know, the companies try to implement things, then the employees try to like push back. And then it's this constant negotiation that's happening over decades. And we're just yeah. sort of trying to as coaches put a finger on it at any given time and help people navigate that moment. Right. Um, what are some of the priorities that you think that you see people really highlighting in what they want out of a job? So they're in their job, they want to quit and they want to get something better, right? You don't want to quit to go to the same thing. You don't want to quit to go to something worse. You want to quit to go to something better. What does that better look like in, in the people that you're talking to? Sure. I mean, I think there's, there's always going to be, it's, it's, it's again, like it always kind of depends person to person, but I think the common things obviously are, look, no one wants to go to work and do a bad job, right? Like no one signs up and says, you know what, I, I want to do poorly. We all go want to work to be able to do a good job. And I think a big thing that drives really people is just having the, the space to be able to actually do good work. And I think what that comes, you know, you, what you, what do you translate that into is um, certainly having uh, a manager or a leader who uh, empowers you to, to actually do your job and to do it well. Um, certainly there's an element of having good teammates or having other people, um, you know, work is a social thing, right? And that doesn't mean we're always talking with them, but yeah, like we, we want to work with people who are enjoyable to be around or to collaborate with. I think that um, there's certain elements of certainly of, of compensation and benefits that play into it, particularly if you are in a situation where either you're taking more, your, your role is expanding significantly because of the past two years, but you haven't been compensated in the same way. Uh, there certainly are some other things around, you know, benefits with that, right. In terms of making sure that the, you know, the company has the types of benefits that you want. Um, there certainly is a big thing around, you know, having some uh, flexibility around the way in which you work. Right. And I think that, um, you know, we are in a world right now where uh, the, the, even though we may have, generally speaking, roughly hours of, of nine to five, because of technology and because of the globalization of the world, we're, we're, we're kind of always on. And I think that there is a little bit of uh, expectation now that employees have also can have the resources to kind of manage through that, right? And if they want to work maybe outside of the traditional bounds that they have a manager who's willing to find ways to uh, accommodate that provided that they're being able to hit their metrics or their outcomes or whatever they're, they're kind of measured on. And, or if they're being able to do, if their job doesn't really require them to be in an office, if they can do it well, they have the ability and the, uh, and they're doing it well, they have the ability to, uh, to, to have that, that kind of baked in as the baseline, not treated as like a benefit that only a certain amount of, uh, of people kind of get. And so I think, I think those are, those are definitely the, the common things. And I, I look like, I do think that there are people who they still want, they still believe, they still want to believe that the company that they're working for, that what they stand for, roughly speaking, aligns with 
what they believe or, or some of their values, or, you know, there's always going to, I think there are always going to be people who really do want to identify deeply with the mission or the cause or for that particular segment that that company serves, like, et cetera. Like, I, I don't think, I don't think that like went away, but I do think there's definitely a little bit more thought being paid, not just to those kinds of things, but also to, Hey, like I want to do a good job every day. What are the things that are going to enable me to do that? And uh, I think, you know, and then certainly finally it's, you know, diverse, uh, diverse, equitable, and inclusive work workplaces. Right. Um, you know, I think particularly folks who, who don't feel like they have that now, um, that is something that they're re really looking at intentionally when they're trying to go to a new place. And I think that word is the key, the intentionality, right? I think, a, mm -hmm. I think for most of my career, the world has been sort of, um, boxed out, right? Like I remember mm -hmm. the first time I tried to work remote, um, we had laptops, but we had so many different layers of security that it took like an hour and a sure. half to like log yeah. in. Yeah. And yeah. it was incredibly unproductive because it was hard to do. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, my first job, I started with a desktop computer. I couldn't even, there was no even dream of working remote at that time. Like it took three years into that job before my first remote day. And, and now that's becoming standard and, and non-traditional working hours are becoming standard. And, you know, it's really much more of a negotiation um, than it is, uh, you know, just set in stone and accepting reality. And I think that, I mean, obviously it depends on the industry, but I think in general, one of the biggest shifts that I'm seeing is a, I wouldn't say things are even because obviously companies, there's so many people looking for jobs that companies have a little bit more of a leg up there sure. um, in a lot of ways. But, but I would say that this is probably one of the first times where flexibility and negotiation and trying to find something that works for both sides really yeah. is the mm -hmm. core of the discussion. And I think that that's yeah. also forcing people to come to terms with other parts of their identity that maybe they've ignored sure. because they had work that, you know, if, if I didn't really have a choice, I had to commute an hour and I had to be at work for these hours. And then I had to commute yeah. home. Yep. I didn't really have, I never really had time to ask the question, well, what do I want to do with these extra hours? Do I want to watch Netflix? Right. Do I want to go learn a hobby? Do I want to do something else? So we're almost being forced the pandemic has almost forced us to look at parts of ourselves that we were able to ignore due to the structures of the world previously. And now it sort of is like giving people, whether they want it or not, a bit more space to figure out who they are and what they need in life. And, and hopefully that turns out to be a good thing for most people. Sure. Uh, what are your thoughts on, as we wrap up here, what are your thoughts on uh, someone who set a goal to quit their job for the yep. new year? They haven't done it yet. And they're just sort of feeling like down in the dumps, like they haven't made the progress that they needed to make. What are maybe two or three things that they can do to just turn things around? Sure. Well, I think the first, I'm a big fan of Carol Dweck's work with growth mindset. And I think that the, one of the key words that they actually actually they use when they particularly want to teach children, young children around growth mindset is the word uh, yet, right? So I can't, I haven't been able to do this yet. It doesn't mean you won't be able to do it forever, but it just means just right now in this moment, I haven't gotten there yet. And I think that is a really, it's a small word, but I think it goes a long way. And if your goal was to quit your job, you, it, it's, not, it's not that you haven't quit your job, you just haven't done it yet. 
and and there's 11 more months in the year so there's there's still plenty plenty of time and so i think the very first tactical thing is just to um, re realign or just around expectations is just common language and i think that will also maybe give you a more positive frame a more growth oriented frame of yeah i'm not there yet but that's that's okay i think the the second thing is really around getting clear about how do we link the intentions with the actions right and so if it truly is your intention to quit what are the actions that you believe that you're going to take today that will eventually enable you to to get towards that goal right in terms of whether you need to whether if you need, if you feel like you want to have something lined up before you quit um, what are the steps you're going to take to to do that in terms of uh, the networking that you're going to do the the job the jobs you're going to look at the conversations that you're going to have things like that um, or if you if you're going to quit to quit and not have anything lined up um, the things you need to do to kind of keep track of your finances or your personal life, the conversations you need to have with your spouse, your partner, the rest of your family, things like that. Anything you can do to start really getting clear around how you link the intention with the actions. And then finally, follow through on them, uh, do them and, and keep track of them. And if you need to do what you do in terms of uh, having that ideal day written down, being able to write down what are those actions that I'm going to take and keeping yourself honest. Um, they've done some studies and people who take notes when they write them out versus people who take notes on the computer um, they're much more likely to follow through when people write them down versus when you just type them out on a computer. And anecdotally for myself, I know that I'm, I work the same way. And so um, if you want to do it really tactically, write down what the actions you're going to take that are going to align with your intentions to be able to hit or to get where you want to go. And I think over time, uh, I think you'll increase your chances of, of getting there. But, but that's the advice that, that I would give. I love it. Al, how can people find out more about your work and, uh, and follow along with what you're building? Thank you. It's been great chatting with you. So I'm the founder of Better Work Labs, which is a talent development and career coaching uh, consultancy. Uh, they can find me on my website at betterworklabs.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. Just Al D is my name. Search me, uh, reach out uh, and send me a connection. I'd love to engage with you. And uh, thank you. It's been a great, uh, it's been great chatting with you, Martin. Really yeah, it's been a blast. I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your insights with the community. So I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and we'll chat soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode today. I really appreciate your support of what we're building here at Career Therapy as we continue to try and explore the hidden side of modern work and tell some of the stories that maybe don't get enough light shed on them. If you enjoyed what you listened to today, I hope you will leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, Subscribe to this wherever you're listening or watching on YouTube, Spotify, etc., And uh, share this with some friends who you know are going through similar experiences and looking to build their career and, and gain some insights along the way. Again, thank you so much for stopping by, and I wish you the best. I'll see you on the next episode.